We need you to move in, in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we need you to take uh, the preached word and use it. Lord, the, the, the preacher is nothing, Lord, without you. you. You have to take these words and apply it to my heart and everyone's heart. So Holy Spirit, please descend. Holy Spirit, please come. Please come and bring encouragement. Please come and bring um, conviction. Whatever we need to hear today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will minister to our souls. Speak to us in deep ways and lead us to Christ. Help us to see more of him. Help us to love him more and more. And help us to be the people of God that God will have us to be in the world in which we live. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Those are familiar words to many of you. They were actually spoken by President Reagan in 1985, but they presently represent our country's war on terror. And so for you in your war against the terrorists of your soul, you don't negotiate with them. Think about it. How, how, when you think about the enemy and when he comes to you, how do you respond? We have, we have to keep in mind that, that the terrorist of our soul is not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. He is supernatural. And do you say to him, I will not negotiate? Do you say to him, get behind me, Satan? Or are you, in currently, are you currently in negotiations with him, knowingly or unknowingly? See, knowing your enemy is just half the battle. The second part of it, you have to know the schemes of the enemy. You have to know how he's going to attack you. You don't, want, you, don't, you don't seek to know the scheme so you can negotiate with him to, to find some common ground. No. You want to know them so you can have a better understanding of how he will attack you, your family. We don't negotiate with the terrorists. But through the gospel league, we engage him. We stand firm against him. Last week, we talked about two schemes. That is, the scheme of distorting God's word, the scheme of temptation, and today we're going to address one final scheme of the enemy. And I call this scheme hunting God's people like prey. Hunting God's people like prey. We all know where prey is, right? You see in wildlife, there are two categories of animals. You're either a prey or a predator. You're either top of the food chain or you're on the bottom of it. A predator feeds off a prey. It's his meal. And a prey must constantly be watchful, constantly on the alert to avoid being eaten. It's a game, a cat and mouse game, a cat and mouse game between the predator and prey. It's a life and death game of constant pursuit, near capture, and repeated escape. That's the game. The enemy your enemy, my enemy, Satan, he's a predator. And you, the Christian, you're the prey. You're the fish. He's the fisherman. You're the deer. He's the hunter in the deer stand. You're the rabbit. 
he sets the rabbit trap. In the eyes of the enemy, you're simply a piece of meat, and that's all you're ever going to be in his sight. The enemy doesn't like you, and he never will like you. He hunts God's people like prey. He hunts you, and he's hunting you now. Do you know that? But do you believe it? That's the question. Do you believe that this life, the life that you're currently living, is one of constant spiritual warfare against your soul? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? For your enemy is not flesh and blood. I want to hear you say that. Say, my enemy is not flesh and blood. Yes, it is not flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's our enemy. And so Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Peter says, your enemy, your adversary, the devil, he's your opponent, the one who stands against you, the one who accuses the brothers and sisters. And like I said, he is the terrorist of your soul, the predator that hunts you like prey. And Peter says, he prowls around like a roaring lion. These words give you an image of how the enemy will hunt you, like a lion who prowls around the jungle. To prowl means you you move around restlessly and stealthily. That is to pursue and move cautiously and in secret. You have to be sneaky. You have to creep up on someone or something because you don't want to be noticed. If you ever read a, a book about lions or seen a documentary or seen The Lion King, then you know the lionesses are the ones who do the hunting and the pride. They do all the hunting. And when the lioness hunts, she, she prowls around. She's restless. She's in stealth mode. And I want you to watch this video here of this lioness on a hunt. In long grass, the initial approach can be rapid. She aims to narrow the gap as fast as possible, ideally to less than 30 meters. Crucially, she matches each move to her prey's reactions. If it looks up, she stops. If it looks away, she goes on. In a series of fits and starts, she gradually closes the gap. As she gets closer, she moves more slowly and her profile melts into the grass. Lions find it hard to outrun their prey. Every inch nearer will tilt the odds in her favor. Her tail betrays her emotions. 
Now even padded soles are a liability. She turns her foot. Fur is quieter. That's the enemy, and that's you running. Notice her movements. Notice how she was hiding, lurking in the grass, going unnoticed. The enemy moves with her. When she looks back, he ducks. When she looks away, he, get, he goes closer, he gets closer, and he gets closer until he gets to the right di distance to you, and then he strikes. Does this send chills down your spine? When you think of this type of enemy waiting to prounce on you like a piece of meat, that is your enemy. He's the predator. You're the prey. It should at least put you on the alert. It should at least open your, open your eyes to the reality that you are in a spiritual warfare for your soul. And that the enemy is real. He always is real. Always waiting for the proper time to attack you, your family, your marriage, your relationship, whatever. As Peter says, be watchful. And being watchful means you be watchful for the schemes of the enemy. That is to be cautious as you live your life. At all times, you should be on the alert. You should be cautious. In good times and bad times, on the mountaintop as well as in the valleys, be watchful. When you're in comforts or in discomforts, be watchful. It's open season. There are no safe zones for the enemy. There is nothing that's sacred to him. No sacred ground. He just waits for the right opportunity, the right circumstance, the right situa situation. And all he needs is an inch. All he needs is an inch. Satan commands the spiritual warfare against you. And he even uses the world and your own flesh in his services to do that. So he'll attack your marriage, your family, church, your community, institutions. He can use anyone or anything. And no one knows that better than Peter. Peter himself was used by the enemy to hinder Jesus' mission. And Peter didn't even know it. It starts out like this. While Peter and Jesus and his disciples were on their way to a place uh, to do some ministry, Jesus asks his disciples an important question. He says, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say the Son of Man is? The disciples says, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And next, Jesus turns to the disciples and he says to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And guess who stands up and speaks for the disciples? It's Peter. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Great job, Peter. And Peter gets a sticker in Sunday school for his great answer. And so after his confession, Jesus says some other words to the disciples. And then he goes on to tell them what's going to happen to him. He goes on and tells them about his death 
and about his resurrection, that he must go to Jerusalem and, and to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and be killed and on the third day be raised again. That's the mission of the Christ. But Peter, who, who just made an awesome confession, who just got his Sunday school sticker, he did something. He boldly takes Jesus to the side and he rebukes Jesus for telling them that he's going to suffer and die. Peter said to Jesus, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. This shall never happen to you. You shall not suffer by the hands of these men. You will not be killed. Never, Lord. Now, on the surface, this rebuke seems to be good. It seems to come from a good place. But Jesus has eyes to see otherwise. He turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are setting your mind on things of man, not on things of God. You see, the enemy can use anyone or anything to hinder, hinder God's purpose in your life, the purpose for your family. People, places, things are always at his disposal. And even a 5-4 decision by Supreme Justices to legalize same-sex marriage can be at his disposal to hinder you from God's purpose. Be watchful. Be on alert. Don't get too comfortable and complacent in your life that you think you get a pass on being a prey for the predator of your soul. You don't get a pass. Just because we're Americans, we don't get a pass. He prowls around on us as well, on you as well, looking for someone to devour. And to make things even more disturbing, he can prowl around like a wolf in sheep clothing. That's more disturbing. That makes it harder to identify him. A wolf in sheep clothing. Paul says in Second Corinthians, and what I do I continue to do in order to undermine the claims of those who would claim, like to claim that their boasted mission, claiming their boasted mission that they work on the same term as I do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Again, let those words penetrate your soul. The enemy disguising himself as an angel of light. The terrorist of your soul can be a wolf in sheep clothing, and it makes it hard to identify him. So this means that even within the church, they can be a mole, agents of the enemy, knowingly, are unknown. There will be false teachers, false preachers in the pulpit, preaching things that are not true, that will lead people astray. Within the body of Christ, there will be some who are claiming to be believers, but not, but actually wolves in sheep clothing. Again, I ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that spiritual warfare is real? Please be watchful. Be on alert. Spiritual warfare is real. 
And I believe A.W. Tozer, in his book, God's Pursuit of Man, gives a good example of how the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. Tozer calls it the spirit of the world. He says the world's spirit is strong. It clings to us as close as the smell of smoke to our garments. It can change its face to suit any circumstance and so deceive many a simple Christian whose senses are not exercised to discern good and evil. It can play at religion with every appearance of sincerity. It can have fits of conscience, particularly during Lent, and even confess its evil ways in, public, in the public press. It will praise religion and curry its favor on the church for its end. It will contribute to the charitable causes, promote campaigns to give clothing for the poor. Only let Christ keep his distance and never assert his lordship over it. This it will positively not endure. And towards the true spirit of Christ, it will only show hatred. The spirit of the world and all the good deeds that it can do will never submit to the true spirit of Christ. Christ, It is the enemy in disguise. And it, he is deceiving many, many, deceiving many. Don't be fooled by the spirit of the world. And as believers, that means when it comes to certain social issues, there will be some people standing with you on that issue, but on another issue, they won't stand with you. No, please know that. They won't stand with you. They will hate you because they will not submit to the Lordship of Christ. The challenge for us and for you is that grow an understanding of your weaknesses and expect to do battle there with the evil one. If you struggle with fear, then he will come there. Pride, lust, jealousy, slander, gossip, laziness, self-righteousness. If you struggle with judging others, worry, insecurity, you name it. It's free game for the enemy, and he will come. He will attack that in you. There are no such thing as long ranger believers. Believers who don't think they need other believers are just easy targets for the enemy. Please know that. Don't isolate yourself. Do not do that. Don't isolate yourself from other believers, from family. Don't do it. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Because you've got to realize, all of us are in the foxhole together. Now, we don't think the same, we're different, but we're all in the same foxhole, dealing with the same stuff. Dealing with the same stuff. Just like all of our other brothers and sisters around the world, the enemy seeks someone to divide. And Peter says in verse 9 that all Christians experience the same attacks from the enemy. We all experience the same thing. The enemy is seeking someone to devour. That means he wants to destroy. He wants to ruin your faith. He wants to discourage you. He wants to shipwreck you. He takes pleasure in your demise. He takes pleasure when preachers fall into adultery and they lose their pulpit. He takes pleasure in that. He takes pleasure when Christian marriages fall apart. He takes pleasure in it. He has popcorn and he's laughing. Because it's just a thrill to him to see you undone. 
Oh, those silly believers. I got them again. His goal, understand this, his goal and his aim is to always draw you away from Jesus. So that means if there's something that's pulling you away from Jesus, that ain't from Jesus. That's from him. He wants to draw you away from Jesus' love in your life. He wants to draw you away from Jesus' provisions in your life. And he wants to draw you away from Jesus' lordship over your life. And he wants to draw you away from Jesus' calling for your life. And that is the Great Commission. If he can distract the church from doing that, he's controlling us. That's his aim, to always pull you away from your Savior, to always pull you away from the one who died for your sins. That's his end game. There are two reasons why a lion roars. Do you know what they are? Two reasons. First, a lion roars to rally the strand members of the pride. Second, a lion roars to proclaim territory, to show his strength and his presence. You see, the enemy is warring in America. What happened this week? That's the enemy proclaiming territory. Think about that. In fact, he's been roaring ever since the inception of our country, proclaiming his territory. Do you believe America is the enemy's territory? Do you believe that? Jesus says in John 12, 31 and 14, 30, he calls Satan the ruler of this world. The ruler of this world. In 2 Corinthians, Peter calls him the God of this world. In, in Ephesians 2, 2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. What, what, are Jesus, what is Jesus and Peter, Paul saying here? He is saying that the enemy is the ruler of the fallen world in which we live. And that means every nation, every country is fallen. And in that is his territory. He's the ruler of it. So he wars to proclaim territory. And so for us as the American church, we need to realize we are behind enemy lines. And the Father has placed us here for a purpose. And that is to save those prisoners of war who are still lost in their sins and held by the enemy. We are the light in the darkness. The church is, because we have the message of hope, the message of peace. And the enemy doesn't like it. Don't be deceived by the spirit of the world. Don't be deceived by that. It will never submit to the lordship of Jesus. Please know when you come into the enemy's territory, he's not going to give up without a fight. You need to realize the struggle is real, people. It's hard out here for the saints of God. You need to believe that. And so you have to be watchful. You have to be on alert in the spiritual warfare. Know the schemes of your enemy. Know them. Peter also says in verse 8, be sober-minded. And I was like, why did he say be sober-minded in this, in this verse? 
because he wants you to be calm and collected in spiritual warfare. Like, how can I be calm and collected in spiritual warfare? It means don't freak out when the enemy wars. Don't panic because of what the Supreme Court did. Don't panic. In spiritual warfare, think clearly. Have self-control. Be so reminded. Why? Why do that? For though the war or the enemy may frighten you, scare you, lead you to think things you shouldn't think, keep calm because Jesus is still on the throne. That's why you can be sober-minded. He has not left the building. You see, the war of the enemy is one of a defeated enemy. He's a wounded lion. And I love these words from um, Martin Luther and from his hymn. And though this world with devils fill should threaten to undo us, we shall not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can't endure, for alone his doom is sure. Now, we may lose some battles. We may get wounded, but we will never lose the war. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And this table is a picture of who defeated the terrorists of your soul. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? That table is Jesus. He defeated him. And Jesus says in John 12, 31, now, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection defeated the enemy. The enemy may grim, but we don't tremble because of what Jesus did. But do you believe it? Paul says in Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Do you believe it? Why is that true? Because of what Jesus did. He won the victory. And when we leave here today, we leave here with our heads held high. We leave here today not in despair, not in hopelessness, not thinking the world is falling apart. We leave here in confidence in our God that he will prevail. We will not go into the shadows of fear and doubt. We will march on as the people of God because of what Christ has done. That is our confidence. We'll always be it. You have to believe that. But the peace of God will soon crush the enemy under your feet. That is the power of our Jesus. And this meal is given for your spiritual nourishment, for the nourishment of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. He's given this meal to you. And before we partake, I'd like to call to those who are assisting to come forward. I want to ask you to spend a time in silent preparation, asking the Holy Spirit to prepare your hearts to receive the Lord's table.